Nudnik with occasional performance problems, Ski. Oh, thanks. And a uh, domineering tyrant who totally ima- uh, a domineering. <laughs> God fucking damn it! Please leave you all see? this in. Your lips aren't used to spreading such lies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a dominating tyrant who totally emasculated him, Brent. Uh. <laughs> uh, it was all for good fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Boy, I really butchered that. That's a shame. I had so many good options too, and I went with the one that totally tongue-tied me. So. Yeah. Anyways, I'll I'll, uh, I'll probably give you a few of those, too. But uh, mm-hmm. today we're going over Season 7, Episode 9, mm-hmm. The uh, Monkey Show, Part 2. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I will say to everybody, in case you're following along on IMDb or anything else, it gets a little wonky with our episode numbers going forward. Because mm-hmm. IMDb includes these Part 1 and 2 mm-hmm. as separate episodes, or as one episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, uh Hulu and, and the syndication of it, there's yeah. two episodes because yeah. that's how they run in reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. half hour stints and such. Yeah, so at least for the rest of the season, our numbering is going to be a little off mm-hmm. from what you might find in other sources, but we're going to stick with that numbering because it matches our episode run. Yeah, better. this yeah. one has like two or three, like two part yeah. series. And I think they know? all count them as one episode. Mm-hmm. So. so when in doubt, you know, have us be your North Star. Exactly. <laughs> 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 Can't go wrong that way, can you? Exactly. So. Uh, well, I don't have any listener interactions today, but would you guys like to hear a few of the things that I probably would have said more clearly that uh, <laughs> did not make the cut? Yes, sure. but I want to add on one more thing first. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think that they should maybe even write in or call to Hulu and such and complain that they need to follow our, our way. Well, Hulu is doing it. Yeah. They need to call IMDb. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. So they need to call into Hulu and praise them for, sure, yeah, yeah. for numbering them the correct way. <laughs> IMDb has this weird thing. There's some other Golden Girls podcast that's sort of like listed on IMDb. Okay. And so a lot of times, like if you plug in like the episode title, like, you know, Golden Girls Monkey Show Part 2 or whatever, mm-hmm. it'll pull up that podcast really? as, oh, as the result. It and it's like, well, this doesn't help me at all. And yeah. then I got to like, go back and like search for Golden Girls Season 7 and then select the episode or whatever. And it really yeah. frustrates me. Yeah, that is frustrating, especially when we're the authority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And I can't reference us because that episode would not have been released yet. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um, well, since I don't have any listener interactions that you'd like to hear, yes. I, I have several other options I thought of for today. I'm yeah. excited to hear them. Well, yeah. I thought of interviews. Can we vote for them? Like, which one do you like best? Sure, yeah. Okay. I've got, like, six of them here. So. All right. All right, so number one. Okay. Uh, the kind of man who needs a rich woman to buy him things and make him feel special. Mm-hmm. I was going to introduce probably you as that, Brent. Okay. Um, and then for Ski, I was going to say the kind of man who should live with his mother. Mm. <laughs> I was going to be Ski. Um, let's see. I also had a, not a stick, or excuse me, not a, what was it? Oh, yeah, not a stick, not a Betsy Wetsy, not a rubber <laughs> ball. He's a man. <laughs> I'd take that one. And then uh, my constant companion and favorite cow. <laughs> so thought about that. And the final one I thought is a man who'd kill for a piece of corn that wasn't creamed. Oh, nice. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite out of those that I did not choose? Um, I'd say not a stick, not a Betsy Wetsy, <laughs> but a man. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. Best that was too. a good one. Yeah. I just like the other one because obviously it relates very much to a portion in this episode. So <laughs> yeah. They covered both of you in one. But yeah. Anyways. So uh, like I said, I don't have any interactions. Do either of you have any interesting tidbits you'd like to add to the episode before we kick it off? Um, are we going to see that movie on Tuesday night? Um, possibly. I, I My weeks have been very real, uh, very busy, okay. so 
I didn't want to respond until I knew for sure how it was mm-hmm. going. What movie was that again that you're going to? Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a new movie or is that a it's real movie? old? Yeah. Oh, okay, is it? It's Orson Welles from '57. Oh. Very cool. It's amazingly good. Have you ever seen it on the big screen before? Not on the big screen before, no. I've never seen it. Period. Hmm, really good. Yeah, I've probably <laughs> heard of it, but I obviously didn't didn't know the reference. So. Yeah. Um, through no fault of my own, it'll be the uh, fourth time I've seen it this year. Really? <laughs> this year in 23? Yeah. <laughs> and just in this calendar year, yeah. not in the last 12 months? Wow. Yeah. How's it through no fault of your own? Uh, well, you bought the ticket, <laughs> so it was definitely through fault of yours, <laughs> at least the fourth time. Yeah, well, it's one of those things that you can't pass up a chance to see it on the big screen. Oh, okay. You know? um, and, like, I've only seen it on um, Blu-ray, and this is a 4K presentation okay. on the big screen. So... Um, but in January, I had picked up the uh, three-disc uh, Blu-ray collection, whatever, mm-hmm. which had the original theatrical cut, the original preview cut, and then the reconstructed cut from 1998. And oh, so okay. I've seen all three of those because mm-hmm. um, I was just sort of comparing and contrasting. Yeah, how them. different are they? Um, substantially. Really? Um, there's about a 22-minute difference, I think, between like the original theatrical and then the reconstructed cut. Which um, one would we be watching? The reconstructed. It's oh, sort so of considered the definitive now gotcha. and everything. So I don't know if I've watched fucking four movies this whole year <laughs> and you're about to watch this one for a fourth time. <laughs> it's really good. Let's see, I've seen uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Mm-hmm. Um I watched oh there's at least one other one that I saw this year. Uh, oh yeah, um Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. Um, now I had seen that last year, but I watched it again this yeah. year with Sherry. And those might be the only two movies that I've watched in 2020 for, or 2023, excuse yeah. me, so far. Now, granted, when this comes out, hopefully, or possibly at least, I'll have added another couple movies to that list, but yeah. certainly no guarantee of that. Yeah. There I might saw, be another one that I'm forgetting about. I saw both of those and uh, Wakanda Forever. Okay, well, I did see that also, <laughs> but that I saw when it came out last year. So, um, yeah, I don't think, because I haven't watched, there's a, a handful of movies that are, you know, like on Disney Plus or whatever, like, uh, Strange World and such mm-hmm. that, and, and like I said, there definitely are some of the Oscar-nominated movies that I'd like to watch, mm-hmm. but I just don't think I, at least to my memory, I don't think I've gotten around to any others. I feel like I watched a horror movie, um, or, you know, like a suspense-type movie or whatever mm-hmm. also, but I, I don't remember for sure. I've seen, in 2023, mm-hmm. uh, 52 movies. Oh, so, my goodness. <laughs> Sherry and I have talked about this, and you're like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand how you see as much media as you see. You're like, it's, oh, yeah, Helena and I just got done. Do you watch it on, like, done. three times speed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is odd, because you're like, yeah, Helena and I just got done watching this for the third time this mm-hmm. year, and I'm like, this series, that episode? And you're like, no, the series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, it's, uh, you seem to find ways to consume media at a far higher clip than I do, and yet you still have lots of other things to take the time up, so I just don't understand it. It's a fucking mystery to me. <laughs> I think you might I, be unemployed. Just budget my time well. I, I, I have a feeling that your job, you're so good at it, that it takes you like 20 minutes a day to get done everything you need, and then you just start what to do now? in the Blu-rays. Exactly, exactly. You know what I've seen lately? Another 48 hours. Right. <laughs> Let's see a young go-getter Nick Nolte. <laughs> Two movies. That is an incredible number of movies. That's a this movie releasing a, a week for a whole year. Yeah. Well, and this this episode is re- will probably be releasing sometime end of April, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah. Maybe even later. Maybe even May. Yeah. But we're recording it March nineteenth, mm-hmm. and so in less than three months, Brent's seen fifty two movies. That's that's an incredible number of movies. That's, that's a lie. Yeah. There's like been fifty two days this year. <laughs> I mean, more than that. I guess there's been around seventy ish, seventy yeah. some days this year. Eighty, mm-hmm. but. Still, still an incredible number. I mean, like in the evening or whatever, you know, I've generally got like, you know, hour, hour and 15 minutes while Helena and Castier are taking their showers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can make a dent in a movie then, you sure. know. So. Yeah, you have to do that 50, well, you know, 104 times to make it through 52 <laughs> movies. And we have not had 104 days in this year yet. So. We've not? No, because, I mean, March 19th, so you'd have. 31 days in January, 28 okay. in February, okay. so 59 okay. plus okay. 19, so it's 69, yeah. 78 days so far. Okay, well, there's other times you know, squeeze <laughs> stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not judging you, yeah. I'm just, I'm in, 
I'm befuddled by you. (laughs) (laughs) And some of those were in the theater with the family and stuff like that. And so, you Mm. know, those family outings and Mm. whatnot. Oh, it's fine. I, I I don't think Helena even exists anymore. <laughs> I think you're an unemployed man who lives under a bridge with a DVD player and our Blu-ray player. <laughs> the gift card to the red box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you get yourself an Uber over here once every couple weeks. <laughs> I, I have a different theory. Okay. I think when he says he's seen 52 movies, he means like the box. Ah. Like he, he went through his DVD collection and saw... <laughs> 52 different boxes yeah. of movies. He opened up his box of this evil, what's it called? Evil Touch Eye. Of evil. Touch of evil. Um, and just looked at each of the three discs. Yes. And was like, well he done. compared them. Yeah. They were substantially different. Right. So, but long story short, you guys see Touch of Evil on the big screen. Yeah. Excited. Well, I hope that you enjoyed it. I would <laughs> certainly enjoy to watch it with you, but that is the actual day of Liam's birthday, so yeah. I'll be here for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess... If we don't have anything else to marvel at besides <laughs> Brent's movie-watching acumen, then, uh, and are you doing the recap this week, Brent, or is he? I am doing the recap this oh, week. Okay. So. In my defense, I've only read 19 books. Oh, really? So Slow down a bit. But I have. I've been watching more movies. I don't know if I've read 19 books. In your whole life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems low. I mean, I think that's probably low, but I'm not yeah. going to guarantee. Yeah. Okay, I'll guarantee I've read more than 19 books. Yeah. But I bet in a year you probably beat what I've done in my life. How many did you have last year? Like a hundred? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you put in because didn't you want to do one a month or something, and you like blew past past that. Yeah, I was trying to do two a month last. Two year. a month, okay. But last year I ended up with um, ninety one. Ninety one, okay. Yeah. I think it is elite. I think it's very possible. It's likely I would actually say that I have not read ninety one books in my life. Not, I mean, not counting children's books or whatever, yeah. but 91, like, full-size novel, yeah. you know, sized books. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know. I, you're a more learned man than I. Uh, I actually have a reference to the book I'm currently reading oh, yeah? in my recap. Very nice. So. We look forward to it. Uh, so I'll Do we have to pick it out, or are you going to tell us? I, I think it'll be obvious when I get to that part. Like, you oh. think that? Yeah. But in the past. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't tell We I. have, and by no fault of yours, but... <laughs> Oh, a little bit of fault of his for overestimating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair enough. Now, you think we're way smarter than we are. Do audiobooks count in your mind? I haven't been, okay. um, just because. I but mean, if I was counting up my own, would you count audiobooks also? I think, yeah, you're allowed I to s- count them. I think, because I saw something like, I forget which author it was, but one of them says, yeah, I, if somebody's listened to the audio. King said it. Yeah, he's like, you know, if they've listened to the audiobook, then I consider they've read the book, you know. So well then I, I mean I, I'm still not at 91 I don't think but I'm a lot closer than I would be if we did disinclude gotcha. those. Gotcha. So, I listened to the audiobook of um, Long Goodbye earlier today. Oh, yeah? I was at the gym. So good. Was it a solid book? Yeah, it is. It is. The movie is so much better. Mm-hmm. The book is solid. I've seen nor read either. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one of my uh, man crushes is uh, in the movie. Oh, oh really? Which, who is that? Uh, Elliot Gould. Oh. <laughs> At least you set the bar low. <laughs> I think you could nab an Elliot Gould style dude. <laughs> Elliot Gould now or Elliot Gould 1978? Well, now, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire to more. I aspire to 78. <laughs> something, to, something to reach for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anywho. So we had... Um, Fair enough, you're reaching for my Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> Your business is yeah, Gould. That's what, that's what I call it. <laughs> Elliot Gould. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what we could do next is the Gould and Girls. <laughs> and <that's laughs> so would that be like where all four roles are played by Elliot Gould? Yes. It almost sounds more though like a Ghoul type, you know, like they were the undead Gould yeah, and Girls, yeah. something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, kind of like Sammy Terry type thing. Yeah. That would be a very fun thing to do, too, though. Mm-hmm. We'll have to determine later how we decide to interpret our Golden Girls <laughs> podcast of the future. Would you purchase a, um, or at least consider purchasing a Sammy Terry action figure? Mm, no. Okay. I just you? Probably not, but I saw that there's a, a Sven Gooley um, mm-hmm. figure coming out. And yeah. I realize Sven Gooley is a larger, yeah. you know, more well-known uh, mm-hmm. Character, yeah, yeah. Although I don't think he was big around here, at least not as big as Sammy no. Terry was around here. Yeah, we had Sammy, but I think nationally he's bigger. Yeah. Um, this past Halloween, the kids got their picture taken with the current iteration of Sammy Terry. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know they had a rotating uh, cast. Yeah, the current one is the original one's son. Okay. Very nice. Very cool. cool. Yep. Would you buy an action figure of him? <laughs> no, no. Is it Sammy Terry Jr.? <laughs> no, it's Super Sammy Terry. Uh, what did he say? Like, he... So, what did we see? It was at the Artcraft, and we were there to see one of their Halloween movies. And for the life of me, I'm blanking as to which one it was. But Sammy Terry introduced it and everything. Oh, I think it may have been Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Um, he was there to introduce that. And, like, he's doing this little spiel or whatever, and he's going on um, about, like, it was sort of disingenuous because, like, he was acting as if he was the original Sammy Terry mm -hmm. and that he had been doing this for, you know, 65 years uh. or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess technically, like, the character's been doing it, but the man beneath the pancake makeup has yeah. not, you know. <laughs> but he was like, you know, I've been doing this for six. 50-some, 60-some years, whatever, you know. And nobody's been doing this longer, you know. Dick Clark came close, but he looked worse than I do now those last few years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm sure that's slayed with the kids. <laughs> right, yeah, they're all about the Dick Clark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of the, the elderly people in the audience who thought that was in bad form. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's been gone long enough. I think we could take, yeah, take your so. shots. But. Like, boo! <laughs> boo, Sammy, boo! <laughs> Not cool. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have that much strength to their voice. They'd be like, yeah. like boo, <laughs> Sammy! Yeah. <laughs> They're old folks. All right, well, put that out of the way. All right. So we got Golden Girls Season 7, Episode 9, The Monkey Show, Part 2. Um, real quick, so before we get started, I just wanted to say a few words. Um, if, I, if I may. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Certainly. You can say them all throughout before we start, That's, during, we were, and after. We were, we were budgeting on you say words. Cool. <laughs> so, good morning. <laughs> I'd like to think people are listening sure. relatively close. Yeah, I mean, 10 generally 10 o'clock. We, we tend to get a lot of our listens pretty close to when it drops. Okay. Wow. I mean, like, as far as day one goes. Like, day one, mm -hmm. it seems like our listens come in within the first two or three hours. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's a decent number of folks that get a little notice that yeah. we when, drop and they listen. Yeah. That's when people's morning coffee kicks in and mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to let this go to waste. Better exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Hurry up and get through the episode while I got a little extra caffeine in me. Exactly. I, know I like to think that they're drinking their coffee and they won't listen to this and it helps them poop. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what pairs well with this stinking turd. <laughs> Taking a dump. <laughs> well done. I like that. <laughs> so, my name's Brent, and I'm the one who recapped season one, episode 20, Adult Education. <laughs> so, I mentioned that to remind you of this. I'm a professional. <laughs> I report on these episodes with a neutrality and an objectivity that's never been in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I hope you all remember that if I break down and cry during this week's recap <laughs> you know despite the impersonal nature I've sometimes brought to my work I am human <laughs> <laughs> saying goodbye to Steve Landersberg will be just as difficult for me as it will be for all of you but this is a safe space and we'll get through this together <laughs> thank you yeah I think it's funny I because feel comforted <laughs> I don't know of anything that is not a robot that's watched 52 movies this year. <laughs> Anyways, so this episode was directed by Lex Basaris. Um, since Alan went through the Lex Basaris filmography last week, mm -hmm. I think we can skip it this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well done, sir. Thank you. Uh, this episode was written by Mitch Hurwitz and Mark Sotkin, or as the Jutin shippers call him, Hotkin. <laughs> uh, this episode originally dropped on November 9th, uh, 1991. Uh, this is the same day as last week's episode originally aired. Unfortunately, because, because he covered the Lex Vissaris filmography in real time, Alan didn't have time to discuss this momentous day in history, so I'll go ahead and pick up the slack. Yeah, I was too busy. Sorry, guys. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so in 1620, uh, pilgrims aboard the Mayflower site land at Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and shortly thereafter, they'd land on Plymouth Rock, and shortly after that, Plymouth Rock would land on us. <laughs> in 1906... I don't think it landed on us, Brent. <laughs> we're all in this together, Alan. <laughs> I've said that before. <laughs> the three of us 
us are in this together, but we're not all <laughs> able to claim that Planet of the Rock landed on us. All right? <laughs> I'm going to have to foul. <laughs> That's because you identify with management while Ski and I identify with the 99%. See, there's, there's your problem right there. You're saying that me identifying with management is me identifying with the white man, and that <laughs> right there is your problem. We all should be management brands. <laughs> I, I identify with the upwardly mobile. <laughs> Nothing to do. <laughs> so, so, any guesses as to who the first U.S. sitting president to uh, make an official trip outside the country was? Hmm, the first sitting president to make. Uh, I'm going to go with John Adams. Uh, I think it's definitely John Adams. It was uh, Theodore Roosevelt in 1906. Wow. Uh, really? a long time. Oh, well, it's because it wasn't president. Oh, never mind. Yeah. So he went to inspect progress on the Panama Canal. Okay. Did you guys are, yeah, you told me you watched the John Adams uh, film or series, right? I've not, and I've got a sweet spot for Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he, he was excellent in that. But in that series, he goes to France. Mm-hmm. So I just thought he was president when it happened. I yeah. forgot, I guess. Yeah, must have been before or after. Yeah. Well, uh, it kind of makes vice sense. President, maybe. Because yeah. travel was so much longer, more arduous. You wouldn't want the leader of your country going on what would be yeah, you know, twelve a week long, you know. boat ride or something. Yeah. So. And everybody, a lot of people died from travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard horror stories about dysentery out in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I like they're all just talking about the trail. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. I'm back. Uh, yeah, Brent Brent just threw up threw down his wedding <laughs> ring. <laughs> I was fidgeting with it. it slipped away. So in nineteen twenty four. That's how marriage is. <laughs> Fidget with it too much, it'll just slip away. <laughs> so uh four time four time Harvard graduate and reoccurring character in Howard Zinn's book, The People's History of the United States, Henry Cabot Lodge died. Mm. That's the book I'm currently reading. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, 1931, uh, Doral Norman Elbert Whitey Herzog was born. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of our listeners remember Whitey for his days playing with the Washington Senators. Others may remember Whitey for being the scout for the 1969 World Series winning New York Mets. But others may remember Whitey for managing the Kansas City Royals for three straight Western Division titles from 1976 to 1978. But I'm sure the majority of your memories are related to Whitey's time managing the St. Louis Cardinals winning the 1982 World Series. Personally, I'll always remember Whitey's focus on pitching, speed, and defense in order to win games. I'll remember his strategy of attrition that was predicated upon the starting, <laughs> starting the lineup with a few base dealers, putting a power hitter like George Brett in third or fourth position, following him with a couple more power hitters, and then rounding out the lineup with a few more base dealers. Mm. I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. Ski's right. There's no wrong way to remember Whitey. <laughs> You know, you just stole it. I was going to say, <laughs> I remember from all those things. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like there's a theme to Brent's uh, <laughs> recap today. <laughs> Which is? Whitey. <laughs> uh, 1934, American astronomer, planetary scientist, cosmologist, astrophysicist, astrobiologist, author, science communicator, and turtleneck enthusiast Carl Sagan was born. Hmm. He was an enthusiast of the turtleneck. He was. Uh, in 1945, uh, star of the original Night Court, the criminally underrated The Guest Book, and a million things in between, Charlie Robinson was born. Have you guys been watching the new Night Court? No, I, I have not. not. It's amazingly I'm... good. Um, you were liking it. I don't know. Harry Anderson will always be Night Court for me. Yeah. So without him, what's the point? Yeah. I get that. I really do. Uh, 1970, uh, French president and airport enthusiast Charles de Gaulle died. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1970. <laughs> do you like that? Yeah, I do, yeah. Thank you. It's a thinker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's one that I know enough that I was able to think my way into yeah. it. <laughs> so that's why I particularly like Christ. it. Uh, 1972, a singer, musician, songwriter, producer, website developer, filmmaker, and my least favorite person in the band Slater Kinney, Corin Tucker, was born. Mm. 1978, singer, songwriter, record producer, dancer, actor, and thong enthusiast, Cisco, was born. Okay. And in 2015... Thong, 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 thong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2015, the shortest-serving Beatles drummer, Andy White, died. 
He was the Beatles drummer on September 11th, 1962, when the Beatles did their third and final recording of Love Me Do. If you hear a version of Love Me Do featuring a tambourine, that's Ringo on tambourine and Andy on the drums. If you don't hear a tambourine, it's Ringo being the drummer and Andy being forgotten by history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So is he the fifth Beatle? No. no. <gasps> I'd count Billy Preston as the fifth Beatle. Or okay. George Martin. Fair enough. So, um, or Stu Sutcliffe. Or Pete Best. Yeah, I don't care about any of those people. Or Jimmy Nichols. Okay. At what point do we su- surpass the fifth and sixth and seventh at this point? Yeah, I think you're probably <laughs> like the tenth Beatle at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ringo. I'm not Ringo. Yoko. She's probably a fifth Beatle. Okay. I can see that argument. The I mean, final Beatle. <laughs> Mal <laughs> Evans. I'd count Mal Evans as the fifth Beatle. Okay. There's options is what I'm saying. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have asked is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You know who you don't hear enough of as far as being like a possibility for Fifth Beetle? I mean, whoever it is, I'm sure I don't feel like I'll need to hear more of, but who? <laughs> Never mind. So, and you got to tell now. Who is that person? Pick me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear his name mentioned. Not, not at once. Until now, maybe even. Just throwing his hat in the ring. It's my favorite Fifth Beetle option that you've exactly. given so far. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know, he's writing to Ringo. Hey, pick me. <laughs> yeah. And Ringo will write back because he returns all his points. Right. I'm assuming he's more alive than at least two of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think Pickney's still around. Yeah, I think, I mean, I hope he's at least still alive. <laughs> he's our age or younger, I'd imagine. Really? Yeah. If not, if, he, if he's well, older. statistically, it's... he'd have to be our age or younger. <laughs> like, like, there's more people. Well, he wouldn't have to be. Though. Statistically, he would likely be, but not yeah. that he'd have to be. You <laughs> <laughs> might greater... know your music, but you don't know your statistics. There's <laughs> <laughs> a greater probability he's yeah. younger. That's true. <laughs> All right, so the episode starts off with a brief recap. Um, we're going to skip that part, which will encourage the re-listen to Alan's recap if you don't recall what happened last week. In a nutshell, Stan and Gloria, Dorothy's sister, used Dorothy's bed to make the beast with two tall backs. This <laughs> caused Dorothy to faint. Uh, when the episode begins, uh, Dorothy's been moved from her bed to the couch. Seems like it would have been easier to just leave her in her bed, but I guess Stanley was ready for round two and Gloria didn't want to work around her. <laughs> Uh, so Dorothy awakens and admits that she still dreams of Stanley. Speak of the devil, Stanley then walks in wearing Dorothy's nightgown. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Gloria's. It for damn sure wasn't Sophia's. Uh, Dorothy proceeds to yell at Gloria and Stanley, or as the hotkin shippers call him, Glornly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just as a side note, I misremembered Gloria's name when I started this recap. And um, I thought she was Virginia. You, ah. You've no idea how bummed I was when I had to rewrite this thing to take out all the references to Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> a missed opportunity. <laughs> it could also be uh, Storia. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a possibility, too. <laughs> uh, so Stan tells Dorothy that he was scared and vulnerable, and when that happens, he seeks shelter in the arms of a masculine woman. <laughs> uh, Stanley t- uh, Stan tells Dorothy that he knows he done fucked up. He says that Dr. Halpern... Sexy, sexy Dr. Halpern <laughs> is on his way over. Uh, Dorothy starts to blame herself for walking in on Glory and Stanley when Sophia enters the living room. Uh, she's glad to see that Dorothy's awake and even happier to see that she's made virginally a thing. Oops, missed one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> Any dang way. It's always nice when your daughter finds herself a rich philanderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia, Sophia explains that Gloria is the gold-digging type while Dorothy is the kind of gal who shouldn't stray too far from the nest. Right. Uh, the doorbell rings, but before we get to see the best-looking cast member, Barney Miller, we mm-hmm. have to see the fourth best-looking cast member of Empty Nest. Uh, wow. So fourth. So obviously I know that you have an affinity for... Is Dreyfus um, up there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am wondering, like, who the other three would be. So Christy McNichols, I'm sure, is your number one. Correct. Um, who would be your two and three before you get to number four? Uh, Park Overall and Paul Dooley. Okay, Park Overall. Is, does she play the um, like Le- the nurse? Yeah, Levering. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so next door neighbor Carol is dating Doctor Doctor Halperin, and it makes sense they'd settled Steve Landisberg with the lesser Weston daughter. This sinful world isn't worthy of a McNichol Landisberg baby. <laughs> is that just too much hotness? It is. It is. The Earth would become the sun at that point. Exactly. (laughs) Throw out all the uh, gravitational fields across the universe. Exactly. (laughs) Or a galaxy, at least. 
So Carol's on cloud nine for bagging herself, Dr. Halperin, uh, who knew dating a therapist would be so therapeutic. Uh, she goes into the kitchen so Steve Landisberg can work his magic on Stan and Dorothy. Uh, while Carol's leaving, Dorothy again chastises Dr. Halperin for his lax ethics. For someone who has a habit of betting married men, Dorothy sure is judgmental. Mm. Uh, Dr. Halperin explains he pseudonymized his patients' names, and there's no way Carol could suss out who's Impossible, who. Impossible, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, this is followed by Carol's return from the kitchen to share her eureka moment. Uh, she now knows that Stan and Dorothy are actually Dan and Morthy. <laughs> Uh, perhaps both Weston daughters should be detectives. Uh, indeed. I mean, how'd she crack that cipher all by herself and in such quick quick time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's run in the family genes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Stanley tells Steve Landisberg that he slept with Dorothy's sister. Uh, Dr. Halperin is excited to hear that Stanley got the monkey off his back by getting a gorilla onto hers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dorothy laments the fact that her life has yet again taken a turn for the worse. Uh, She had finally rid herself of Stan and, as an added bonus, reconnected with her sister. Stanley says it'll never happen again, and as a consolation prize, Dr. Halpern offers to knock 55 bucks off Morthy's first therapy session. We then say goodbye to the best-looking man to ever grace the Golden's Palace. That beautiful bastard may have left the show, but he'll (laughs) never leave our hearts. Very nice. <laughs> Any interjections or anything I missed? Oh, sure. I did enjoy it at the beginning, you know, when Dorothy asked why Stan why he's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that, Dorothy, the storm's a-coming. Yeah. <laughs> the hurricane's yeah. coming, I think. Yeah. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, uh, you know, I did like particularly when, uh, you know, Brent Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, was out there, the, the psychiatrist. He yeah. says, uh, hey, you're off the monkey. Um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. <laughs> I like that one, too. Uh, Mazel Tov, I think he adds to that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see if there was anything else I particularly thought. Yeah, I did think the half price uh, thing was funny as well uh-huh. for the Dan and Morthy thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a solid opening. Agreed. Wait, Agreed. Sophia even said something like when they were carrying her to the couch, she made Dan, uh, Stan laugh so hard that he dropped her. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he was carrying the head. <laughs> But yeah, I think we're good to go on to the next one. All right. Um, <clears throat> the telethon, I believe, now. Yeah, yeah. So the next part of this episode concerns Rose and Blanche hosting a live telethon to save McKinley Lighthouse. Honestly, I forgot this was even a thing. In, <laughs> in my defense, Alan's recap of Part 1 hadn't dropped yet. <laughs> By the time you're hearing this, his recap of Part 1 will have been available for damn near a week. You've no excuse for not remembering the other Goldens were busy saving the lighthouse. Exactly. Or trying. Yeah. So a TV reporter reminds the audience that a hurricane is a-coming. He admits the fact that the hurricane is named after former city councilman Gil Kessler. Mm. Um, It's two minutes before showtime when Rose and Blanche realize they should probably ask if their acts have arrived. They're informed that one has shown up, but the rest aren't coming. Blanche is nonplussed by this development and vows to continue her quixotic quest to save that windmill. Uh, Rose (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I was proud of that. Yeah, that was That was good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rose points out that it's a lighthouse that needs saving. Uh, Blanche isn't as enthused about saving the lighthouse, which is odd considering how much time she herself has spent comforting lonely sailors. Mm-hmm. Don't you say that that eyesore or something like that? Yeah. yeah, you need those to guide them into into shore. <laughs> exactly. How are they going to have shore leave if they can't make it to shore? Exactly, yep. So Maybe the, she's willing to swim out to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She'll meet them halfway. Yeah. She'll be the siren in the uh, ocean there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She's the original grub hub. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the telethon begins, and Rose tells viewers to call 555-SAVE if they'd like to donate. Uh, Blanche tells the driver of a red Corvette he can call 555-EASY if he'd like restitution for her Highway 12 behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she had the time the day before to be northwest of Tallahassee, goes unexplored. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Blanche then goes to answer the telephone while Rose goes to tickle some ivories and sing a song of puberty. Uh, Blanche announces that they've gotten a donation, and Rose offers a drum roll worthy of soon-to-be-completely-forgotten Andy White. They add $20 to the board, and while Rose continues her song, they get another $50 from her fixed income, Sophia. There's another 50 in it if they break Rose's fingers. Uh, $50 seems reasonable when you consider it's $400 for both legs. Mm-hmm. That is true, yeah. Yeah, it's 50 bucks just for the fingers, yeah. Yeah, seems fair. Although, I mean, you might be getting potentially eight fingers out of that. I mean, the thumbs are probably going to be off of the keys you know, yeah, fast yeah. enough, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know, eight fingers versus two legs? I don't know. I, I feel like $50 is still kind of a bargain. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder how much it costs to uh, get my fingers fixed. Oh, incalculable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alan knows, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Did you ever know I broke five of my ten fingers at one time? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I told him, you got to keep your fingers out of their ski. You might sit down. <laughs> 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 
Dude, should I tell the story? Yeah, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, it was Father's Day many years ago, and mm-hmm. I went over to my parents' house to mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. Done mowing the lawn, get everything finished. And for years, the uh, uh, garage door didn't function properly, mm-hmm. so you had to manually pull it up and down. Mm-hmm. And so I had put the uh, mower away, and it was kind of tying everything up. I uh, grasped the, the door, right? It had mm-hmm. a little handle. Yeah. And then as I was pulling it down, my fingers kind of slip along the side of the, the uh-huh. surface of the outside of the door. Yeah. And two of the uh, mm. uh, partitions come yeah. together and grab my fingers and uh, then slam down. Yeah. And like the two, three hundred pound door or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Was just like sandwiching my fingers. Oh, God. I can't imagine. Well, we're cringing. I th- how'd you uh, word it down? Because I broke like, uh, like the five of these six, mm-hmm. like the, 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 the <laughs> middle center, uh-huh. the, the middle index and ring finger. On both hands, like five of those six. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I, I told it, but I knew that Steve would be I, able to. I think you said that's five of the six money fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the other one would be. <laughs> no. Oh, five out of six. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah, I would say, wouldn't you agree that the first three fingers are the money fingers? The pinky's kind of the bonus. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Rob Quanson needs pinky, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that, you know. Um, you can say goodbye to the pink, but he'll always have the stink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it lingers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he always takes solace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the road less traveled. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, all right, so the next little section, uh, we go back to the Golden's Palace and see that Dorothy and Gloria have finished barricading the lanai. Uh, Gloria apologizes to Dorothy uh, for ruining their newfound closeness. She says that Sophia put the thought in her to put Stanley in her. This upsets Dorothy. <laughs> uh, Dorothy tells Sophia that there's uh, no reason to fix Stanley up with Gloria. Sophia says she's old school, and that's how it used to be done. Uh, Dorothy points out that nature side is old school as well, but it's frowned upon nowadays. Uh, just as a side note, I did look into death by bird, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get an exact number. It appears that birds injure about 1,500 people annually, but there's some discrepancy on how many people they actually kill. Mm. When you factor in aircraft collisions, uh, the number is upwards of 10, but when it's just man versus bird, uh, the number appears to be either zero or one. Okay. The confusion for me is that all of the figures I could find just said birds, excluding parrots. At no, point, <laughs> at no point could I find statistics that either included parrots or were just for parrots. And I can only assume that Big Parrot had buried that research. Yeah, sounds like it. That's definitely the case, yeah. yeah. And that, that, they're the ones that have that footnote put on there. Exactly. <laughs> Excluding parrots, man. Exactly. Don't lump us in with them. You know, these birds of a feather don't stick together. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the scene ends with Dorothy and a tiff and Sophia leaving in a huff. Anything? Yeah. Well, I did like that line in particular, the one where, you know, in some primitive societies, they leave their elderly mm-hmm. out for a, uh, I can't remember what it was, in a field, I believe, yeah, um, for, for large birds you yeah. have to feed on. Now, Sophia gets in a huff and leaves at that point. Sophia is absolutely 150% in the wrong yeah. in all yeah. of this. She's yeah. totally to blame for yeah. all of it. Yeah, and I don't think that she has any right. She just needs to take it like a man mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and understand that she did wrong. I mean, granted, I can understand if she's like, well, I'm not going to stick around to hear this and goes to her room or whatever, but to act like, oh, well, if I'm not good enough, I'm yeah. leaving. I'm exactly. like, you know, sorry, Sophia, you're in the wrong here, and if you get swept up by that hurricane, that's God taking his vengeance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but that was uh, the only thing in particular that I thought was, uh, you know, that she I didn't think, mention. I think this kind of answered our question for us, though. Between Gloria and uh, Dorothy, who was Sophia's choice? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I will say that they, it must have been challenging for them to find a woman who was both as tall as Dorothy, but also would not at all overshadow her in the attractiveness department. Because <laughs> I, think, I think Gloria, I think Dorothy is the catch out of the two, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, you mentioned, you know, taking it like a man. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever hear that song, She Took It Like a Man? By Confederate Railroad? I don't think so. So that first Confederate Railroad album is like stone cold 
classic. Um, I love that. Um, me and a buddy in high school, we listened to that tape nonstop. Mm-hmm. Like every song on there was so good. Um, I just want to double check the lyrics here. Um, so it's like, I hated like the devil to tell her we were through. I'm sure it would break her heart, tear her world in two. She is such a fragile thing. Lord, I hate to make her cry. So I broke it to her gently when I told her goodbye. And then it comes to the chorus. Okay. okay. She cussed me like a sailor, kicked a hole through the kitchen wall. She threw a fit and threw the phone halfway down the hall. She said, I'll be down at the bar. Then I heard the front door slam. I guess all in all, she took it like a man. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Really good. Yeah. That's what I thought of when you mentioned Sophie needs to take it like a man. (laughs) I'm glad that I went on with just enough time for you to find those lyrics. Yeah. So uh, the next little section, um, we're rejoining the telethon, and their solitary act is doing assorted cricket impressions. Uh, once the poor man's fest Parker leaves the stage, uh, Rose checks with Blanche to see how the phones are going. Uh, Blanche is flirting with the most attractive man at the television studio, and we realize that the closed roads must have kept the non-Uggos at home. Uh, Rose receives a bulletin that advises Hurricane Gill, picked up the McKinley Lighthouse and shook it like a dog. Uh, the telethon is now over, and the inaccessible uh, television studio is going to be a hurricane shelter. And the scene ends with Blanche trying to break off a piece of Chester pie. Mm-hmm. That's true. I didn't put that together. So everybody was unable to get to the thing. The, mm-hmm. the, well, they may have just chosen not to go, I guess. Yeah. yeah. When they're like, um, yeah, hurricanes are coming. Yeah. I'm not going. Yeah. So, so now we're back at the uh, Golden's Palace. Uh, Dorothy is looking for Sophia when there's a knock at the door. Uh, the Miami Gestapo is rounding up residents and forcibly sending them to internment camps. <laughs> um, Dorothy says she'll go peacefully, but she needs to finish checking the house for undesirables. Uh, she... <laughs> She goes into her bedroom and once again finds the most undesirable thing of all. Uh, Dorothy finds Gloria and Stan in bed together. Uh, Stanley explains that his heart had a Gloria hole that needed refilling. <laughs> did that give the reaction you were hoping? It did. It was really fun to that one. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, so Dorothy tells the invading police force that she didn't spend all those years paying taxes for them to just let Stanley live. Uh, this mini, right. exactly. <laughs> this mini scene ends with the police explaining that they can only shoot looters and presumably brown people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, uh, don't you tell Stan to pick up the, the TV at the end before mm-hmm. he leaves? Yeah. yeah. Now one line you left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you going to follow with anything? Oh, else? No, you can. I, I mean, I've got a couple, <clears throat> but you can say it first. So the two cops arrive, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of them says, "Hey, can I show him Blanche's room?" <laughs> Uh, and then she's like, "Ah, oh, no, wait. I'll let him figure out for or find out for himself." Yeah, let him be surprised. I yeah. think. Yeah. He's like, "Can I show the kid?" Yeah. <laughs> right. There was another one too, where when they came in, where she says, "Oh my God, it's my mother," and then he says, "No, ma'am, I'm a police officer." Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Exactly. Like when Stan's like, "I know I'm a pig," and the other one's like, "Which precinct?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was a good line too. So yeah, I think that covered though the the thing in particular. Yeah. Uh, so we transition to Sophia visiting her brother Angelo. Uh, she tells him she's in trouble, and he assumes she's got a bun in the oven. Yeah, that's great. It's like, then the boy will marry you. Exactly. <laughs> you think you know the pilot light has been out for years. <laughs> uh, she explains that she's upset um, Dorothy by giving Gloria one of her old playthings. Angela says it's like when they were girls, and their only toy was an old stick. Not for the first time it's pointed out that they were poked. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sophia tells Angelo that uh, he was always the wiser of the two, and they proceed to the nearest hurricane shelter, which, spoiler alert, is the television studio. You would think Angelo would have already been there getting ready for his act. Yeah, one would think. <laughs> one would think. So, um, yeah, maybe he was at home shaving his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we return to the television studio and see Blanche is hoarding around. Uh, she's got a bag of candy, and not even Chester is going to be able to get some of that free nugget. Mm. Uh, Dorothy announces that she's going to brave the storm in order to find Sophia. Uh, Rose, who has never liked Dorothy, starts a back in St. Olaf story in order to give Dorothy one more reason to face the hurricane. <laughs> uh, Dorothy realizes that she cannot face the hurricane, but she can face Stanley. If she can make 250 off of him while she does, so much the better. Uh, Stanley asks Dorothy what will become of them. Dorothy says she doesn't know, but she knows she's not on board with her ex using the Zboni on her sister's hot potatoes. <laughs> Uh, Stan says that he was only sticking it to glory to make Dorothy jealous. Uh, he says he did the same thing to the monkey, which I guess is his way of telling Dorothy he's, she's lucky he didn't walk in on him with a traffic cone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Damon Morthy agreed. Traffic cone was looser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The traffic cone would be like the Blanche. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. That may be the traffic cone was being used to mark the wet spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan and Morthy agree that they're at their best when they're calling each other names and being intermittently hostile to one another. That's a Cold War. Uh, the police interrupt Dan and Morthy's moment to announce they found Sophia. They're reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, Stan tells a horrified Angelo that he gave the business to both of his nieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comment was enough to turn Glory off Stanley forever. Uh, Sophia and Dorothy let their bygones be bygones, and they hug and make up. And the episode ends with Hurricane Gil transitioning to a tropical storm, which is appropriate considering its namesake, Gil Kessler, had once transitioned from board housewife Anna Marie Bonaducci. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to say that line of, like, yeah, I've had them both uh-huh. might be Stan's most despicable line of the entire series <laughs> yeah. with who he was telling it to. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's true. Like, in front of Angelo and Sophia. To Angelo specifically, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that definitely reinforced the bad feelings that I've had towards Stan throughout the series. To be fair, though, I mean, Angelo spent 60 years faking being a priest. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so, true. Well, he doesn't, doesn't really... have the high road exactly. but, yeah, or the high horse to be on. But... I always wondered, I don't know if... Uh... If they talked about this in the ep- the original episode of uh, his appearance or not, but was he faking being a priest to everyone or just Sophia? I think just He's, Sophia. Yeah, I believe so. Like I don't think he was like doing that in his daily day to day life, right? Just yeah. right. <laughs> it's, I think it's one of those things that if you spend you know um, sixty years wearing a priest costume while living in a parish and <laughs> performing mass, you're a priest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not faking it anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you're just an unordained priest. Yeah. Exactly. He's a volunteer. Kind of like exactly. <laughs> so if you're you're an unordained priest, you know, sixty years he spends mm-hmm. doing this and everything. Like all the all the babies he baptized, would mm-hmm. they go to hell because he's not Indeed. ordained? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see any other way you could yeah. <laughs> look at it. No matter how devout they were the yeah. rest of the time. Any um, confessions? Not really know, confessions. Exactly, right. yeah. So yeah, it's got a Whole, a whole host of people going straight to hell because uh-huh. of that. I'd like to think it's like student loan forgiveness, where if the school's not accredited, <laughs> then you don't have to pay it back. Yeah. That does seem right. Yeah. I think God should have some sort of a repayment plan of such. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> a little loan forgiveness, if you yeah. will. <laughs> well, that, we, that's it with my prepared remarks. We had quite a few uh, guest actors in that. Luckily, a handful or about half of them were in the prior episode. So, mm-hmm. uh, Herb Edelman as Stan, yep. episode 24 or 26. Uh, Bill Dana as Angelo, episode 5 of 7 for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dina uh, Dietrich was the Gloria. She was in her second of two episodes. Mm-hmm. Steve Landenberg, as Brent has already lamented, was in his second of two uh-huh. episodes. And coincidentally, he played Dietrich on Barney Miller. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then uh, Jonathan uh, Schmock, he played uh, cop number one mm-hmm. for his fourth of the four episodes. And then our new faces, mm-hmm. uh, Dinah Manoff, uh, played mm-hmm. Kara Watts, or Weston, excuse yes. me, mm-hmm. for her first of two Golden Girls. We will see her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, 93 titles to her, 15 episodes of Soap. Um, but, of course, uh, she also played in, uh, she was Marty in Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, but by far the thing she was most known for is her 170 episodes of Empty Nest, yeah. as the aforementioned Carol Weston. Yeah. Do you know that um, Estelle Getty was a cast member for the final two seasons? Oh, really? Like a full-on cast member? Yeah. Um, So yeah, so we got Golden Girls, and then she went to do Golden Palace for a season, and it got canceled. And so the following season, she joined the cast of Empty Nest. Hmm, Very nice. I did not realize that. Yeah. So now we have to go ahead and recap all those two. (laughs) Nope. Uh, we also had Ed Hooks. He was the stage manager. Uh, 56 titles for him. This is only Golden Girls. Nothing else uh, particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Siegel. He played uh, Davy, or uh, sorry, it was it Davy Crockett or Davy Cricket? Davy Cricket. Davy Cricket, yeah, thanks. Um, 23 titles for him. Uh, mostly those a writer and producer. I think he only had two acting credits, and this is one of them. I'm assuming yeah. all as Davy Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, Matthew Sachs, he played cop number two, 12 titles for him, his only Golden Girls. But, you know, for 12 titles, he was in an outbreak, falling down, and a few good men. Oh, nice. So he really That's stacked pretty, him up for 12 titles. Right. And, of course, the Golden Girls, yeah. so pretty solid. Um, but uh, that's all the guest actors for this one. Who got your MVP for this one, Brent? Oh, Steve Landisberg. Yeah, I kind of figured. Why did I even bother to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Name a line of his that could have been delivered better. I'm not saying he didn't do a fine job, but, again, he was in there for one scene. <laughs> so, it was a, an awful uh, professional, too. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. 
Um, what about you, Ski? Who gets your MVP? I give it to Dorothy. Yeah. I think Dorothy was a solid one. I, I picked Dorothy also. Uh, don't get me wrong. Steve Landisberg did his part well, mm-hmm. but I think you have to be more integral to the overall uh, episode, or at least more featured in the episode um, to get it for me. So how many slices of cheesecake for you, Brent? Um, I'm going to go and give it six and a half. Six and yeah, a half. I really liked it. I thought it was a really good episode. Okay. I'd, maybe even seven. I'll go with seven. Seven, wow. That's a pretty high score. That's did you go that high, Ski? I did not. I gave it five and a half, though. I thought it was pretty decent. I came in a little below both of you. I mean, Stan just really horribled it up a lot for <laughs> me. And so there were solid parts for sure. But the fact that Sophia had no initial you know, recognition for how uh-huh. wrong her she sins. was. Yeah. yeah. I, I only gave it five. It was yeah. just, I feel like Sophia, yeah, she has her faults, but I think she has a little more self-awareness than that. Yeah. 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 And isn't so quite too. so stubborn. Okay. <clears throat> but if she would have figured it out on her own, we'd have been denied Angelo saying, you know, then the boy shall marry you. Yeah. That was solid for sure. Um, but well, at the same time, she also hates she... Stan. I, I get the idea that Gloria <laughs> needs somebody. But she also knows that Stan is a serial philanderer. Yeah. And so would you really want, even if it was, even if you had a child that you felt like needed to be taken care of by a maybe well-to-do she, man? Maybe she feels that Gloria will be able to satisfy all his needs. And or maybe it, she thinks he's changed. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, he, he has given almost no reason to believe that, but, <laughs> but I guess. They did go to therapy together. That's true. Exactly, you know. Now he knows what he's really trying to, you know, mm-hmm. get, so. I don't know. I, I think that if you go straight from one to the other, then that uh, is a pretty bad sign about your personal growth. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a line that uh, we, we, we glossed over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when she was actually, when Sophia was talking to Angelo, uh, she was talking about uh, uh, Dorothy and Gloria, and she says of Gloria, she's my baby. She hasn't even lost any of her adult teeth yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is I funny. thought that was my favorite, the, the, the line of the show. That is solid. All right, well, did either of you have anything more you want to add to this episode? No, I think I'm good. All right, well, a very well-done recap, Brent. Indeed. Thank you. And uh, until next week, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.